ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you've got ideas for future episodes, you can please contact us. Two easy ways to do so, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet at us, at sfdiocese, and use the hashtag ignition. Again, at sfdiocese, and use the hashtag ignition. Today, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be Christian? What does it mean to be Christian? And this this is a sort of an occasional series that I that I do, asking different guests um, what their thoughts are. So if you've ever wondered... Um, well, what does it mean to be Christian? Maybe you're a Christian, um, maybe you're a Catholic Christian, maybe you're a Lutheran Christian, uh, another another form of Christian. Maybe you're not Christian at all, and, and you've wondered, what does it mean to be Christian? This is a series that's for you. Again, an occasional series that I do with different guests, and I've got a fantastic guest today to help us explore that topic. Deacon Omar Gutierrez joins me by phone. Good morning, Deacon Omar. Good morning. Uh, so, uh, I'm going to let Deacon Omar introduce himself in a moment. If you've l- never listened to Ignition before, my name is Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls in South Dakota. Uh, more importantly, married to Jermaine for 20 years now as we're recording this. It's been, if, if people haven't tuned in or if they've been tuning in, we've been run- on the radio, we've been running um, some some of our um, greatest hits from the past. Uh, and so, the I'm excited to be recording a new episode. So, uh, 20 years uh, this summer, and she and I have five kids. Deacon Omar, would you introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? Certainly. Um, I am uh, Deacon of the Archdiocese of Omaha, and I'm the president and co-founder of the Evangelium Institute, which uh, works uh, with adults um, and uh, and the faith here in the Archdiocese of Omaha. Um, I uh, write and speak regularly on issues of Catholic social teaching and uh, advisor on public policy for the Nebraska Catholic Conference, uh, and I work in mission uh, for the Archdiocese of Omaha. But more importantly, <laughs> I've married to my wife, Miriam, 15 years as of yesterday. Oh, happy anniversary! Thank you. Uh, and uh, listeners uh, may be happy to know that Chris and I have known each other for a long, long, long time. Um, so we were old friends. I knew him before he and Jermaine were married. Uh, yep. They were dating or engaged, I think, when I first met him. Yep. Um, and uh, we have four, and we're expecting number five, actually. Oh, congratulations! Thank you very much. So that is me. That is fantastic. So, Deacon Omar, I, I already prepped the listeners. Um, I, I'm pretty sure you were aware of what we're talking about today. But I, I am curious, yeah. Uh, j- yeah, just in light of your, I mean, um, your own experience, uh, we we and we didn't know each other, but we we knew of each other um, undergrad at Franciscan University of Steubenville in Ohio, and then we got to know each other in Rome at the Angelicum. So you've got a lot of theological formation, but then also your permanent deacon, so the pastoral side as well. So I, I'm really curious and excited to hear um, your take on that question. What does it mean to be a Christian? Yeah. So. Um when you when you floated the the question at first, I, my mind immediately went in lots of different directions. Um, but I, the the first thing that came to my mind was that um, 
because uh, recently I wrote a, uh, a column on the life of uh, St. Cyprian and St. Cornelius, whose feast we celebrate on September 16th, and just how much uh, being a Christian meant changing your life, especially mm. in the Church, but even today. Um, so, like, one of the first things that sort of comes to my mind is uh, being a Christian means living differently. Um, and maybe to put it more bluntly, like, if, if there's no difference between you and the way that everybody else around you lives, who's, uh, let's say, secular or non-Christian or whatever, then you're doing it wrong. Mm. There should be some, there should be a, a, a discernible difference. And what that difference is ends up kind of getting into doctrines or specifics, uh, which I'd be happy to get into. But, like, the first thing for me is that, that it has to change the way you live. Um, and it can't just be uh, a Sunday obligation. It has to affect every aspect of your life. Um, so that's the first thing, and, and in terms of specifics, then that's going to affect, gosh, you know, um, uh, how, how I spend my time. It's going to affect how I budget. My wife and I, you know, I work for the church, we know, have tons of money, <laughs> so we have to be careful with it. Right. Um, right? And, and so budgeting is really important for us, and so how we budget and how we deal with those things is, um, uh, is affected by our Christian faith. Um, uh, we tithe, we... We want to make sure that we uh, give to to good organizations, that we uh, don't advance uh, evil from the world as much as we possibly can. Um, so, uh, yeah, the first thing is it changes everything from my budgeting to where we shop and how we shop and what we buy our kids, uh, how we raise our children, the kind of conversations that we have with our children, uh, the stuff we talk about around the dinner table, the sorts of stories we tell and affects everything. So, Dean Omar, I'm really glad... Um and, and I didn't know, and, and I purposely don't ask. Um, we talked a little bit, but I don't. I, I, I like to be surprised and see where how people answer this question. So what 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 I love about how you answered that, especially in the specifics you gave, I think sometimes when I think about what does it mean to how do you live out the Christian faith, what does it look like to do Christian, sort of as as you were um, explaining there. Um, it's not. You didn't say. Well, I'm. I'm. I'm nice, and you know, I. I. I don't get mad, and. Um, and the reason that I. The reason that I. I liked where you went instead is, I think a lot of people when they talk about what. Well, what does it mean to act like a Christian? How do you do Christian? They go to those things, the virtuous life, which is good, but I. I like to point out to people, the pagans got virtue. Right, Aristotle, right. Plato, yeah. the, the 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 Greek philosophers before the time of Jesus, centuries before Jesus, articulated a beautiful moral philosophy. They didn't always live it well individually or certainly as a society, but they articulated a beautiful moral philosophy. So to be Christian isn't just about living those virtues, which. Plato and Aristotle had already articulated. It's about a, a more fundamental, more radical difference of life, and that's exactly what you spoke to. Yeah, that point was driven home to me a number of years ago when uh, you remember the late Christopher Hitchens. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, Hitchens was, was this atheist. He was kind of one of those evangelical atheists. Who, yeah, he, yeah. He wasn't happy just being an atheist himself. He wanted everybody else to be an atheist. So. Yes. Uh, he went around and, and debated Christians on, on why religion is bad, and he wrote a book called God is Not Great. And there's an interview with him uh, by Peter Robinson, uh, who's Catholic, um, and does stuff for the Hoover Institute in California. But he he asked him, and he and Hitchens were friendly, he asked him, he goes, you know, you in your arguments against any number of various things, you always make moral arguments. And he said, um, oh, how can you have a morality when you don't believe in God? 
And Hitchens' response, which really, this has always stuck with me, is that that's an insult to my humanity. I can have a morality without believing in God. And he talked about how, you know, he gets into a New York taxi cab and he finds a wallet there. He feels guilty unless he tries to get that wallet back into the person. And that's, that's the golden rule, right? Treat others as you had yourself right. treated. And he's an atheist, right? So, right. yeah, I mean, the, the pagans got this right. You can be a, a, a function member of society, civil to your neighbors, um, uh, virtuous in all sorts of ways, and not believe in God at all. Right. Um, so it has to affect the way you live, and being a Christian has to affect the way you live in so many other ways that go beyond merely just being virtuous or kind. It has to transform things radically, and, and that's one of the things I talk about often, because the reason, so, as you said, like, we can, we can behave in a way, we can be nice, we can be kind, we can be virtuous without Christ. But um, once it's changed our life, when we start making determinations about how it should change my life or how radically it should change my life, the, the impetus, the motive for the change has to be rooted in the encounter with Christ. Mm. Um, so when, um, and Pope Francis actually quotes this in the beginning of his document on evangelization, but uh, it's, he's quoting Pope Benedict XVI, who, like, this is Darius Caritas asked, God is love, the first encyclical that Pope Benedict XVI wrote. Mm-hmm. And in there, he says, uh, being a Christian is not an ethic, right? which is beautiful. He says, it's an encounter, it's an event, right, that, um, I think he says, uh, uh, changes, uh, yeah, uh, widens the horizon and gives you a definite direction. Right? Yeah. So, with this encounter, with this person, with the event of the encounter, the conversion that you experience in Christ Jesus, suddenly your horizons are changed, right? I, I didn't know it was possible for me to live in this way before I knew Christ. Now it is possible. And now I have a definite direction in my life. My direction is, in my particular case, to get my wife and my children to heaven as much as I can, right. uh, and to be uh, a servant to my, my parish and my archdiocese as a deacon. That's the direction, because that's what Christ asks of me. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition, a broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald, and I'm on the phone today with Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and we're talking about what does it mean to be a Christian um, and how living out the Christian faith uh, is, is a more radical, uh, more fundamental change than I think a lot of people um, initially imagine. So, Deacon Omar, you were just talking there, referring to Pope Francis and his predecessor, Pope Benedict, um, about how this change flows from the encounter with Christ. Um, and I want to get to the encounter with Christ in a moment, but going, sort of sticking with the, the change for a moment, some, sometimes the questions that I get, I'm curious how, how you, you respond to these sort of questions is, okay, so, all right, so I, I, need to, I need to change, I need to think, think more deeply, more radically about how I'm going to live differently. Deacon Omar, what do I need to do? What, what, what do I do? Um, like yeah, looking, right. looking for the specifics kind of, how do you respond to that question? Yeah. So, um, that's, uh, it's tough because what, what I always go back to is, um, that it's a particular call to you. I mean, there are certain mm-hmm. things that we can all agree, like don't murder anybody. Mm-hmm. Right? Or, mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, but people asking that question already know that. So it's sort of the, 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 the story of the rich young man and, and St. Matthew's gospel. Right? Yes. Where, um, he he knows what he's supposed to do. He comes to Jesus in, with the request of what are the commandments, and Jesus gives him the commandments of loving your neighbor. Um, uh, and so he does those. Or I already do those, but is there something more? Uh, and I think that's where that question often comes from. 
Um, I know that's a three decent person, but is there something more? What should I do? And Jesus' response to him is not, well, go do, um, he does tell him what exactly to do, but it's, it's more essential. You got to go, you have to go sell everything you own because the things you own are getting in the way of your relationship with me, mm. uh, with God. That's Jesus' response to the rich young man is, um, you're missing God in your life. You're missing a relationship with me. Um, that's why you have to sell everything and follow me because I'm God and you need that relationship with me. Mm. So as the, the, the young American who wants to accomplish something, wants to do something, wants specifics, especially, you know, guys, you like, just give me what I'm supposed to do. Yep. Give me the list and I'll accomplish yep. it. Right. Um, especially as we desire that the, the, the challenge of Christianity is, Okay, but what you're supposed to do has to flow out of this relationship first and foremost. Um, and uh, if it's not, then it's you driving it, right? Um, you're the one who's, who's making things up. Uh, you're the one who's determining for yourself how you're going to be saved, and that's not the Christian way. Amen. Amen. Um, I think, I mean, it's Pelagianism, the ancient heresy that I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do this myself. So, yeah. and I think that connects back to the point you were making just before, um, the, 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 the little break there. Um, this flows from the encounter with Christ. How do I do that? Deacon Omar, how do I encounter Jesus? Yeah. So, uh, Two two things. One is thank the Lord that gave He gave us a church, right? So, um, if I want to know how to encounter Jesus, Jesus tells us in the scriptures. We know this. Jesus tells us that there's a church, and then we have to be in in communion with the church. Um, so, how do I encounter Jesus? I need to be in right relationship with the church. I need to be sacramentalized, right? I need to be baptized. I need to to, to go to confession regularly. I need to go to mass every Sunday, if not more often. If I, if I want to know Jesus even deeper, I need to spend more time with him, let's say in the Eucharist, or in prayer. Uh, prayers offered and written oftentimes by saints of the Church, so I need to be in communion with the Church. That also means, and this is something that I've come to realize more and more as I've gotten older, um, and, and more in practice of doing this Christian thing, uh, is um, being in communion with others outside of, let's say, the liturgy. So what I mean by that is... Um, uh, our Lord called us into a church. He calls us into a communion. And too often, I think, especially as Americans, we think of Christianity or my relationship with Christ as something that's just sort of me and Jesus thing, mm. and, and, and not in the context of others. So in the Catechism, when it talks about faith, uh, it says that faith is personal, right? But it's not an individual thing. You know, the faith that we have comes from uh, the sacrifices and, and, and the decisions and the choices the yeses of hundreds of other faithful Christians before us, thousands, millions of others before us. So um, getting ourselves connected to a community um, that we regularly spend time with, uh, I think it's part of how we encounter Jesus, how we uh, maintain the relationship with Jesus. In my particular case, just this is my example, but um, a number of years ago, my wife and I, sensing that this was something we needed for our own Christian journey, we joined a group called Teams of Our Lady, um, where um, we meet with other Catholic couples, uh, and we get together for a simple meal. We share how our last month went together. We pray with each other. We discuss a little text maybe we read beforehand, but the point is that we are with each other, supporting each other in the Christian faith, um, uh, so that we can better live it out in the world. And that, That's been a um, difficult at times, but it's also been a great fruit, and I think 
Um, it's a great food because Christ is there, uh, because we encounter Christ in each other as this group of, of Christian parents um, who are with each other and supporting each other. I think with that, so the importance of, of community at, at, a, at a human level, uh, that, that's something that's in great need. People long for authentic community, authentic, uh, substantial, substantial relationships. As you said, they're not always easy. They're hard, but 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 it's it's worth the struggle and the effort to deepen uh, relationships with other men, women, with other people. Um, I think also the thing that in the context then of our faith, it's also in them that we encounter Him. Uh, so if, if we're looking at how we grow closer to Jesus, um, it is first and foremost, with especially the Eucharist, but the liturgy, the sacraments in general, the word, but, but the church teaches it's also through other people, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. And that is going to look different. So it, it, it's, it may seem like a cop but there's no like one pat answers for everything. So certainly Jesus says we have to be in communion with the church. Great. Got that. But is there any other sort of, uh, diversity in that? Of course. So for me, it may be, the teens of Our Lady I mentioned, but there could be, for some people, uh, and I work in the, the, the social teaching sphere, the social justice sphere, there's some people who encounter Jesus most deeply in working with the poor. Right. That's not, not everybody does, but some people really do. That's where their spirituality is. And so um, as they seek to deepen their encounter with Christ and live their Christian witness, um, that's where they need to, to, to be. Um, others do it, and, and the poor can look different. So sometimes it's the economically poor, sometimes it's just the spiritually poor the, or the, the relationally poor. So some people um, encounter Christ simply by being with others, um, which is a kind of uh, a charism, as I guess you could say, um, this gift of being a listener for somebody mm, else, right. um, and caring. So um, yeah, that encounter with the other is a way is one way we encounter Christ, and that community is going to look different for different people. But it's important to be intentional about seeking that community, and not just be sort of content with, you know, my family or or, or just me and my relationship with Jesus. It should result in something more. Amen. Amen. Okay, so there's another thing that you mentioned there, uh, a thread that's that's. Uh well, I'm mixing metaphors here, cropped up more than once in our conversation. Uh, the personal call, kind of going back to earlier, there is no just like list of check these boxes and, and you're doing Christian uh, properly. Um, and then you just spoke to like some people might be really uh, called to encounter Jesus in the poor or they do, et cetera, et cetera. How do, how do you know what what your call is? How do you know? Uh, so Deacon Omar, how do I find out what, how, where the Lord wants me in a particular way to encounter people, this personal call that you've spoken about, how do I find out what that is in my own life? Yeah. So I think the answer that I go back to, um, the experience of St. Ignatius and the way he looked at how he discerned his call. So for listeners who don't know the whole story is very briefly, he was a soldier. He got, he has, he gets injured. He's convalescing for a period of time. Uh, he's a very um, uh, self-involved, self uh, prideful man, uh, and uh, he loves reading these stories about knights and chivalry and so on and so forth because he wants to be a great knight. But there were no books of that sort in the place he was convalescing, so all he could read were the Gospels and the Lives of the Saints. So he noticed that when he was reading the, the Lives of the Saints, let's say, um, he had this peace. He had a kind of excitement. There was a movement in the heart. Sometimes people talk about, um, they use the word affective, movements of the heart. So it's not just that you're excited on a surface level. Like there's a deep yearning that comes from you. 
Um, and when he was reading these lives of the saints, he would get that, and it would it would last. It be it would last. That that excitement would last for a while. Mm. When he'd read the chivalric stuff, he'd get excited about doing some great feat, right, and being praised for it, and then it would go away, and then he'd feel kind of crummy. Um, <laughs> and so that discernment that he nobody wants to feel crummy, nobody, do they, Deacon Omar? Nobody wants to feel crummy, right? <laughs> So, so right. I mean, you you feel crummy, and then you want to read another story, and then right, long, you feel crummy again, right? So the so the point is that he discerned in his heart that he his he felt the greatest amount of peace and consolation when he was directing his life towards Jesus in a specific way, and so that, that paradigm. I'm just trying to lay out the paradigm. The paradigm is a way for us to be able to discern. Okay, where is God calling me? As I'm a young person, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Um, uh, where is he calling me? Am I called to be a teacher? Well, is, is that giving me that same kind of long-lasting uh, or, or, or peace or not? Um, and then, um, so the first thing is to, to, that, to notice that paradigm, to notice where you have the peace, uh, we have that long-lasting peace. Um, and then the second thing I would say is to be intentional about pursuing it, right? So... Uh, I know for many years, and I wish somebody had told me this years ago, but for many years I was discerning back and forth, so I'm going to be a priest, or I'm going to get married, a priest or married, and so on and so forth. And uh, in prayer, the Lord kind of showed me, he goes, well, if you were called to be a priest, what would you do? Well, I'd, I'd go to a seminary. Right. Um, and so if you're called to be married, what should you do? Uh, well, there's no seminary. For I should go find a wife. <laughs> right? I, should, I should go find someone, right? To be intentional about it. So if I think I'm going to be called to be a teacher or to be involved in law, or to be involved in theology, or whatever, do it. Like, go be intentional about it, and then you'll find out pretty quickly that the lack of peace is there. Okay, this is not the calling, and and that's a gift. I know this is not where I'm being called. I shouldn't be doing that. Uh, this is where I'm being called. I have peace in this. The Lord has blessed it, and I need to go forward. The last thing I'll say is this. When I mentioned the Lord has blessed it, sometimes we can be convinced that we are called to do something, uh, and it's what the Lord wants, and it gives me peace. But everybody around me is miserable. <laughs> I'm doing my thing, and the church, the church that is around me, the people I'm serving, um, are miserable. Right? They're not getting closer to Christ. Um, I'm, I'm not performing it very well. Whatever the situation is, um, the church is then given to us by Christ in a sense to try to help us know how best to serve the Lord. So um, uh, pay attention then as well to not just how you're feeling internally, but how the fruit of your work whatever it might be, is being received by members of the Church. Uh, and if it's received, received well, then that, that's a good sign, too. That's a confirmation. Okay. So I, I, I love what you just said, pay attention, because I think that goes in many ways to the root of this discernment of spirits that, that you've been talking about, really, just paying attention. Um, I think that that's really hard to do in a world that's filled with noise, um, where where <laughs> I... I, I I tune everything out <clears throat> with the radio or with my my cell phone and its podcasts or music or whatever. How do we? It, it requires silence, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely, it does. And that that's one of the things in the catechism of the talk in the section on conscience and the formation of conscience, which is so very important and for our spiritual lives and 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 our uh, daily life. It talks about the conscience being formed through a sense of interiority and self-introspection, uh, right? And our culture is terrible at that. Amen. We don't do that because we don't take the time 
to be silent and to pay attention to those movements in the heart, the affective movements of the heart. Um, the moment we fall into um, a silence where a movement of the heart or a pain or a wound or something might bubble up, we immediately pick up the phone to distract ourselves mm. um, so that we don't have to enter into that kind of intimacy. Intimacy is scary. Intimacy is, is um, hard. Um, mm. And so it's something you have to be intentional about. And if intimacy in relationship as a married is difficult, and it certainly is, um, because we're all human beings and fallen, uh, intimacy with God is just as difficult. But you have to be intentional about it, and you have to be able to create that space where God can work, and you can pay attention to how He's working with you. So you have to be silent. Every once in a while, you have to be silent. Amen. Amen. Uh, Deacon Omar, we've got about three minutes left. Um, I want to continue along. The, so um, you, you you try these things out, uh, you experience, and maybe there's external confirmation through its people around you aren't miserable, they're thriving as well, and you, you experience peace. Um, and I think the, 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 um, the tiny cynic in me, uh, and I think he's there in most of most of us says, uh, really, like God really speaks like really, what do you say to that, that cynic great or small within each of us? Yeah. So, um, I, I, I would acknowledge I have a cynic as well. His name is is Bob. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) Bob uh, comes up all the time uh, and and says, uh, yeah, I don't buy it. No, I don't believe it. Uh, it's not really real. Um, so a couple of things I would recommend. Uh, one is uh, to go ahead and try reading Lives of the Saints, right? So um, it's, it's easy to dismiss some dude on a podcast or a radio station. Like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, but when you actually read the Lives of the Saints, these are historical people, uh, real people who actually live, and you start to hear their stories. And if you read them enough, you start to realize, well, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is something to this. Mm. Uh, and I have nothing to lose in the first place. Um, uh, so that's the first thing. And I think uh, the second thing I would say is um, to um, uh, test it out yourself. So one way to do that, for instance, is to, is to pray, and then when you pray, pray with a journal. Because if something happens, I just happened to me, uh, Bob, uh, and I know we're running out of time, but um, I, I'll write down something I received in prayer, right? And then afterwards, Bob will sort of pop up the cynic, and he'll say, that wasn't Jesus. That was mm. he had chili the night before, and that was something else, and um, you know, that, that wasn't him. But then I go back to the journal, right? And I read what I wrote, and I said, no, actually, that happened. That was real. That yeah. really did happen. So recording in that way is helpful. Uh, to, to, to to encourage that that belief. Okay, Dean this has been very helpful, um, and I should have thought it's the beginning, but it occurred to me people people might actually be interested in this dude on the podcast or on the radio, uh, and I'm talking about you, uh, not me. Oh. If they if they if they if people are listening to this and they're interested uh, in in your take, interested in something you said, is there a way for them to to contact you or to find out more about you? Yeah, sure. Uh, I have a website, omargutierrez.com, simple as that. Um, if you don't know how to spell Gutierrez, welcome to the club. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm one of the very few Omars who uh, works for the, the church, so uh, omargutierrez.com, uh, and I write for the National Public Register, so uh, I'm there with regularity. Great. Reach out on Facebook, too. So I'm there. Great. All right. Thanks for being with us today, Deacon Omar. My pleasure. Thank you, Chris.
And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet at us at sfdiocese. Use the hashtag Ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.